all who planned the couples retreat. Appreciate you guys and all the hard work. I know it was a good time. We had Friday and Saturday. I know we left early, but it was uh, speakers were good, and I appreciate. I missed Eric's. I'm catching a little bit of slack from that, but um, I asked for forgiveness, and he was good to forgive me. So, um, <clears throat> but hey, brethren, I'm glad you're here. How about that? Are y'all glad to be here? Wait a <laughs> Maybe I need to get down. No, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that we all get to worship the same God, the one and true living God. Amen? The one who created everything and the one who loves us so much. And, and today, as we close out the series on 1 John, which I've enjoyed so much, I hope that you have too. We are going to uh, come to the conclusion of the matter. It's what John wanted those early Christians to know and us as well. Are we confident in our relationship with Yahweh? Have we submitted to walking in the light as his son and joyfully keeping Jesus' commands? John writes, so we will know and have confidence in the fact that Jesus is who he said he was and who the Father said he was. And so as we finish chapter 5, John gives us three more areas where we should be confident. And let's start in verse 14, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says, now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I appreciate Doug's songs this morning because that is exactly what I want to talk about. We, brethren, should be confident in our prayer life. And I want us to think about this. I heard this analogy last night as I was watching a ball game, and I thought it was so true for us as Christians. God makes us to be able to play above the X's and O's. Well, what do you mean by that, Matt? Well, the guy was talking about X's and O's. Well, X's and O's are the plays that you run, right? And this is your position, and this is the job that you need to do, and this is how you need to carry it out, right? So on paper, it seems pretty easy. Somebody who plays above the X's and O's in the game situation, and we know this, it doesn't go exactly like it's supposed to sometimes, right? Things happen during the game. And a person who plays above the X's and O's can maneuver in those situations. And actually, not only can they maneuver, but they can do well in those situations. They're way above an X and O. And you know that when you get into a game that these are the guys that you can count on because they're going to go above and beyond what is required of them. As a Christian... As a child of God, God has given us the ability to go above the X's and O's. 
He's given us the ability to be not only a, a, a human being that sins, but we can actually be partakers of the divine nature. We can live a perfect life if we want to. We can do things the correct way if we want to. And we can be just like Jesus if we want to. You know, the X and the O's are given what the plan is and how you do it. But we know that life happens. Things go on in the situation. How do we handle it? Are we able to go above and beyond? The only way that we can do it is if our life is right with Christ. If God is the number one thing in our life, then we can have confidence in our prayer life. Think about this. John says that because of our relationship with God, we should be confident in the way that we pray. Look at what he says. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Our prayers are not empty. Our prayers are not meaningless words. No, our prayers are heard by God. And the ones that I offer up to him are real. It's a plea to him. It's a thankful cry to him. However I approach the throne, God hears us. He listens when we talk to him. Isn't that encouraging to you? I mean, Erin talks to me sometimes in the car, and she gets done with everything that she says, and she says, are you listening to me? I know none of the other men get that. Yeah, I heard you, babe. Well, what did I say? Well, uh... <laughs> I know y'all laughing at that because that's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But how easy is it for us? How easy it is it for us in the lives that we live and the things that we do for us to forget that God is really listening? He takes time out of his busy day to listen to us. Man, that's incredible, isn't it? That's encouraging. Jesus, our example. You think about this over and over was in constant conversation with the Father. I love this verse. It's just a quick one. But look at what it says. So he himself often, he often withdrew into the wilderness. And what did he do? Spent some time praying. He often withdrew into the wilderness. Why? Because we need that time. It's a time for us to come in a conversation with the Lord, isn't it? It's time for us to talk about those anxieties that we're facing at the moment, to talk about those things. Lord, I don't know if I can make it through this day. Oh, yeah, I can, because I know you're with me. I know that you hear me, and I'm telling you right now, I'm anxious about this. I'm struggling with this. I'm trying to have the right attitude towards this person. And I want to just say something real terrible to him, but I know I can't do that, Lord. That's why I'm coming to you right now. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. What a focus. 
What an encouragement to know that we can do this. We can succeed in life, but we can't do it by ourselves. He's given us an avenue. He's given us a way to be successful, to talk about those things that need to be fixed in our lives. Look at the confidence Jesus had in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, when it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, he was heard. Why? Because of his godly fear. What? His godly fear? Jesus knew who he was praying to. It wasn't some figment of his imagination. He knew who he was praying to was real. He prayed knowing that the Father was with him and that the Father heard him. Back to the analogy. Isn't it a a, a good thing when you're at work and you're the boss and you tell your employees to do something and they go do it? But what happens so many times? You tell them what to do, and then you go out there 15 minutes later, and they're not doing it. It's like, didn't we just have a meeting about that? Well, I didn't even hear what you said. Yeah, because you weren't listening. Just like I wasn't listening to Aaron. It's always an encouragement to have people listen to you. Am I right about it? The phone has become, a vic- has, has become a distraction to us when we talk to people, isn't it? We're so stuck in the phone that we can't hear what people say sometimes. Oh, what would you say? I didn't get that. Hold on. What, hold on. Yeah, okay. What would you Right? But when somebody is focused on you and they understand what you're saying and they're right with you and they're able to elaborate in the situation with you, doesn't that make you feel better? Absolutely it does. We, as Christians, should be confident to know when we offer up that prayer to the Lord, He hears us, and He's in it, and He wants to help us. Don't forget it. John says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. But his prayer was according to God's will, wasn't it? Jesus's. See, what happens when we don't ask according to his will? You remember James chapter 4, verse 3, what does the Bible say? You ask, and what happens? You don't receive. Have you ever asked God for something and prayed for it, and then all of a sudden it just didn't happen? How were you in that moment? Were you discouraged? I've been there. I've been discouraged. I've prayed for some things that I wanted to happen in my life, and they didn't happen the way that I wanted it to. But how was I asking? I was asking amiss. Because it was according to my pleasures. But wait a minute, Matt, I'm asking for uh, this... This job promotion. Wait a minute, Matt. I'm asking for this or for that. How are we asking? Is there, I don't know how you pray to God. I don't know how your heart is. 
but he does. He knows exactly why you're asking it. He knows exactly what you want, and he knows exactly why you're praying for it. Sometimes our request needs to be answered no. Am I right, brethren? Sometimes it needs to be answered no because we don't know what's best for us in the moment. It's the tunnel vision, right? You remember that first crush? Lord, just never let me break up with this girl. I mean, she's the one, Lord. I mean, I wrote her that letter and she marked it yes, and I just know our life will be great. I prayed that one several times, and it didn't work out. Then I stopped, and I got a good one. What in the world? (laughs) Man, I've been praying. Let me just open up to you, brethren. I've been praying amiss for years. For years I've been praying amiss. (laughs) Oh, man, I love it. But we must be confident in our faith when it comes to knowing that the Lord hears us and knowing that the Lord is acting on our behalf. He wants us to trust him. Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? Sometimes things have to work out before it can happen. And if I'm in it for the long haul, if I have trust in the Lord, then I say, you know what? I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this situation is like it is, but I'm going to hold on because God is good and God loves me and he's hearing my plea and he's with me and he wants the best for me, right? I love it when Libby comes to me and wraps her arms around me and she tells me, don't leave me, right? Last week, uh, we got locked. I'm going to, here we go again. I'm going to open up. Aaron's going to get in trouble later on, but let's just go ahead and do it. So I went outside and Libby was lost for a moment. Everything was okay, but I couldn't find her when I came back in. Luckily, Electa had her, but... When she saw me, what did she do? She ran to me. She was in a panic. But oh, when she saw me, when she wrapped her arms around me, what did she have? She had comfort. She had confidence. And she said, Daddy, don't leave me. Don't leave me. If we believe that God loves us, if we believe that God cares for us, when we pray and we ask for things, we ask because we know he's with us and he loves us and he'll never forsake us and he'll never leave us. Brethren, doesn't that encourage you? John wanted these early Christians to know as all these false teachers were coming in, as all of these false teachers were teaching all of these things against what they knew, John wants to say, don't hear it, don't listen to it. What I'm telling you is truth. And when you do what I tell you to do, you really actually have a relationship with God Almighty. Man, what else should we be confident in? We should be confident in our prayer life, and we should be confident praying for others. 
Now look at verses 16 and 17. It says, if anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. This is some verses that people may struggle with. There's some uh, opinions about these verses, but here's the reality. Are we praying for each other's weaknesses? How can I know what you're weak in if I don't talk to you about it? Huh? I can't I can pray a prayer, I can pray for Jimmy, but if I don't know really what he's struggling with, then I can't really get down to it. Isn't that what God wants? Doesn't God want us to get serious about our prayer life? Doesn't God want us to get serious about helping each other out? We need to be talking to our brethren, and we need to be taking them before the throne of grace about our struggles, about our desires to sin. Isn't that what Jesus did when he was telling Peter that Satan asked to sift him as wheat? You remember what Jesus said to him? But I have prayed for you. Satan had asked to sift Peter like wheat, to eat him up. But Jesus prayed for him. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. And when he had returned to Jesus, that he would do what? Strengthen the brethren. How about that prayer request for each other, brethren? Be with so-and-so. I know the struggle that they're going through. I've seen the things that they're doing. I see the, the things that they're going through in their life, and I see the struggles. I've talked to them briefly about some things, Lord. And you know what? I pray that their faith will not fail. But what do we do? Girl, let me tell you something. Oh, you I mean, you can't believe what I just heard about such and such. Why? Why? Why do I not want to open up? Because I'm afraid I'm going to get plastered. Why am I not going to tell you what I'm struggling with? Because I don't want to be the next person ousted. The world don't get us. The world can't figure us out. So why in the world when we come into this congregation, to this family, do we act like that? Oh, it ought not be. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, and we're about to talk about that in just a minute, he'll ask. You remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, you remember what Paul says? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end 
with all perseverance and supplication for who? For all the saints. See, I'm not ready to blast you. I'm not ready to talk bad about you. I'm not about ready to talk on the negative side about you. Oh, no. Nope. I want to encourage you. I want to take you before the throne of grace, and I want to pray about the things that you're struggling with because I want you to live a perfect life. I want you to be a shining beacon in the world. Why have we let Satan creep into the church and control the narrative? Why? Do we need persecution? If I'm about to get put in jail, if I'm about to get shot, if I'm about, something is about to happen to me, I don't care if I got a problem with you or not. I'm going to run to you, right? Because I know you're a Christian. Is that what it has to be? Do we have to face some type of trial that's going to bring us to a terrible thought or situation in our life for us to love each other? Come on, brethren. We know that's not the way it needs to be. We are so blessed to be where we're at. We are so blessed to have the things that we have. Why do we become so complacent in our Christianity? You want to know how we change the world? We stay fired up. You want to know how we move the church? We don't backbite. We don't gossip. We love and we care And we look out for people when they're sinning. We are all struggling with something as Christians, aren't we? But how can we be confident to talk to each other when we're afraid that all that's going to happen is somebody's going to talk about me? And that's exactly what verses 16 and 17 are dealing with. What does it mean that there are sins that do not lead to death? Think about this question. Is there a sin that won't lead to your spiritual death? Yes. Well, what is it? It's a sin that's been forgiven. Am I right? Isn't that what John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? That if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just a few verses before, he says, see, this is repetitive. All of these things are coming in connection with what he's been talking about. If we say that we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So there are sins that aren't leading to death because if I mess up, then what do I do? All unrighteousness can be forgiven. So then what are the sins that lead to spiritual death? Well, we know that an alien sinner is still in their sins, am I right? But we also know that Christians who have fallen away You remember what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 and 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. 
if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27 talk about similar thought. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, what happens? There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. There is sin leading to death. But John says, I'm not talking about this right here. Look at what he says in verse 16 at the end. He says, there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. That's not what I'm talking about. Do we need to pray for people who are lost? Do we need to pray for people who have fallen away? Absolutely. But what is John wanting us to focus on? Right here in this moment, he's wanting us to focus on each other. If you say that you walk in the light, I need to be concerned about you if I see you sinning. Don't I, brother? Don't I, sister? Hey, are you okay? I mean, I saw, I saw that you was, I mean, is everything all right? Can I help you with something? Now, I'm not coming over there because I'm trying to be hateful or I've got an agenda. Why am I coming over there? Because I want to help you. I want to strengthen you. And I would expect the same back for me. But how has Satan tricked us? How's Satan tricked us? As soon as somebody comes over and tries to say anything, we get immediately upset, don't we? We immediately have some type of judgment, some type of reaction in a negative sense, even though we know that we were in the wrong. John is talking about praying for Christians who are walking in the light and fall into sin And he's talking about praying for them to ask for forgiveness, for them to avoid it, to repent of it, and to not even think about it. Hey, brethren, will you pray that for me, that I won't even think about sinning? Will you do that for me this week, please? We got some people in here today, and here's what I want. I want every single one of you to pray that prayer to the Father for me, will you? Man, you think about how strong that is. To know that you guys are praying to a God who hears. To not even think about sinning. I don't even want to think about sinning this week. I know I will. But I don't even want to think about it. Will you pray that for me? Or do we not have time? I got things to do, Matt. I'll throw you up real quick in the car. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I got stuff to do. I do too. I'm busy as you guys are. But you know what? Satan is tricking us in that. Satan is trying to get us distracted from what's important. Here they were in the first century and they had nothing except for people coming in, lying to them and trying to get them in this false way of living. And John is saying, no, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Stay focused on the mission. 
Stay focused on each other. And you'll see the reward. You'll see the benefit. Verse 17 says, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is not, and there is sin not leading to death. See, sins that lead to death and ones that don't, you know where they're found? Right here in your heart. Right here in your mind. Was it accidental? Were we remorseful? Are we asking for the prayers of the saints? You know, we offer the invitation, and what do we say? Hey, if you got prayer, if you, if you need to repent of something, if you just need the prayers for the saints, you can come forward, right? Why do we not do that? Because that person sitting there is going to feel like everybody's going to talk about them. Is that true? No. But does it happen? Yeah. It ought not be. Am I right? I want to come up here and be confident that every single one of you guys love me and care for me, and you're not going to talk bad about me, and you're not going to backbite me, but you're going to be an encouragement to me. The world's going to talk bad about me as soon as I walk out the door. It's going to talk bad about you as soon as you walk out the door. Why do we need people here? Why do we need people here in this? Because this is where the truth is. This is where lives are changed. Not by me, not by the elders, but by the word of God. Was it accidental or was it intentional? What is it, was it remorseful or was it without remorse? Was I asking for the prayers of the saints or am I not even listening to them because I know where it's going to go? Am I turning my heart towards God or am I turning away? We can pray all day for someone not wanting to change and we should. But how awesome is it to be able to take those who are walking in the light and really trying to be right with God before the throne and ask that the Lord will help them in their walk? Isn't that awesome? Man, they've been doing a great job. And what an encouragement they are to me. I've seen them ask for forgiveness in that sin. And you know what, Lord? Be with them. Continue to strengthen them. Bring them up. Stronger and stronger to a place where they can shine light and really have an effect on somebody. Or are we jealous? James 5.16 says this. Are we practicing this one? Are we confessing our trespasses to one another? And pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me just admit something to you guys. Sometimes I get mad. Sometimes I have a bad attitude.
Sometimes I'm hateful. Sometimes I gossip. Sometimes my prayers are for selfish reasons. Can you believe it? Sometimes I think things that are not right. Sometimes I have a jealous streak in me. I'm openly admitting it's this to y'all. You want to know why? Because I don't want to do it. I'm taking... Those cuffs off. Will you pray that I won't put them back on? Will you? Seriously. Will you pray that I won't put those cuffs back on? That I won't allow it to control me? And that my mind will be focused like Jesus. Satan asked to sift you like wheat, Peter. But he didn't just pull him away, did he? He didn't just comfort him and and pull him out of the situation. What did he say? I prayed for you. That after all is said and done, after you do all of those things that you're about to do, that you'll remember this conversation. And what you'll know is that I prayed for you. And now you can strengthen the brethren with the same thing. We should be confident in our prayer life. We should be confident in our praying for others. And we should be confident in our protection. Look at verses 18 through 21. This is some of my favorite verses right here, brethren. If you want to be encouraged, if you want to know that you serve a real God that is a protector, here it is. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know who is is true, and we are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. John wants us to know that we should have confidence in the one who protects us. Why did he give us his word? Why did he give us this understanding? So we would be protected. Look at the three we knows. The first one is we know everyone of God turns from sin and the Lord protects us from the wicked one. And he does not touch him. Man, that's awesome. We are under spiritual protection in Christ. Are we using it to our advantage? We should have confidence in our salvation. I think about 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, and I'm about to close out. Just hang with me, brethren. I know I'm running close to time. The elders will get me straightened out later on. But I got to give it to you today. This one's been on my heart. This one has been on my heart, and I want you to get it, and I want you to go out 
and tell it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, here's what Paul says. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. <laughs> to him be the glory forever and ever. The Lord's going to deliver me from every evil work. Why? Because I'm praying. Why? Because people are praying for me. And he's going to preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Because when I ask for forgiveness, he cleanses me. I believe all that stuff. So the way I live my life affects my life. We know that everyone of God turns from sin. And look at verse 20. He says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. <clears throat> the Son of God has come and revealed to us everything we need to know to be righteous and make heaven our home. You remember in Hebrews chapter 1, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, how has he spoken to us? By his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. We do what we do because Jesus told us to. Not nobody else. I want us to think about this. Verse 19. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know that Jesus has come. And we know that if we're of God, we don't live a life of sin. But here's what we have to know. That we're from God. And that the world is under the sway of the wicked one. When we are part of the world, we're saying, God, you ain't good enough for me. When we do the things that the world asks us to do and wants us to be a part of, what we say is your word isn't good enough for me. Which leads right into the last verse. Keep yourselves from idols. We talked about it in class this morning. John closes with this appeal. Will we reject the false and embrace the real? Idolatry is anything that occupies the place where God should be. What's number one in our lives? Brethren, we can't be misled to put our trust in anything other than God. Our only security is Jesus. Remember the song we sing? My only hope is you. It's you. You know, we get emotional when we hear some love songs talking about our girl or, or our husband, right? We get emotional hearing them love songs, but think about what that says. My only hope is you. 
My only strength is you. From early in the morning till late at night, my only hope is you. When we walk with him, we can know without a doubt, a hundred percent sure that we're in fellowship with the Father. That is an amazing thing to me. The Father is waiting for us. Don't you want to go home? Don't you want to go home? Are we playing above the X's and O's, brethren? Are we striving more and more to be better in those situations that we've failed at so many times? Pray for each other. Find out the things that are going on uh, in each other's lives and strengthen each other. Don't gossip about it. Take it to the king. Maybe you're here today and you do need prayers. But maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Sins washed away added to the family of God. And you can keep it as clean as you want. <laughs> man, that's a great blessing. The blood of Jesus, man. If you want to get in on some of that blood, you can do it today. And you do it through the waters of baptism. If you need to be saved, come right now. Together we stand and sing. <clears throat>